Welcome to The God Solution, where we discuss answers to humanity's questions about God and God's answers for humanity's questions. I'm Nate Herbst, and I'm in the studio with Dwight Saunders. Dwight has been my pastor for the past eight years. He's a man that I love. I respect him as much as you could possibly respect another human being. And there are a lot of reasons for that, and I'll get to those in a minute. But first, Dwight, it's good to have you on the show. Nate, thank you so much. What a great opportunity to uh, be here and just to be able to say a final goodbye to this area. A sad goodbye. It'll be sad for us, but it's extremely exciting what you're doing. And I'm thrilled to have you on the show today so you can share it a little bit more with the audience. As we get into that, I wanted to start by saying that over my entire life, I've had numerous different pastors. And Dwight, you're the most humble, gentle, caring, making me cry, Nate. <laughs> joyful, Christ-centered pastor I've ever had the privilege of serving underneath and alongside. It's been a true joy getting to know you. You've been a real friend. You've encouraged me so often and been there to support me when we had difficult issues. I think back to the birth of my first daughter, Eliana, where there were some complications and some scary situations, and you were there instantly, <laughs> right there in the hospital with us, and you've just always been there. And I'll be sad to see you moving from Durango, but I am so excited about all that God is doing in your life. So on that note, what is God doing in your life? You know, Nate, it's been a whirlwind of the last few months. Um, back in June of this year, we went to Uganda with a mission team to go work at several orphanages. And while working there, we discovered this one little baby over in a corner. They'd pretty much given up on her. And uh, this one little baby just needed to be loved and be. we had to find out what was her problem. And she ends up having hydrocephalus, which is water on the brain. Uh, her name now is Ruby Grace, so I'll refer to her as Ruby. And uh, Ruby was being fed too much because she had been starving to death. So we had to cut back. We found out how to take care of her. And before I left Uganda, I said, I will do anything for this little girl to the orphanage director. Well, by the time I hit uh, land of the USA and uh, Chicago, there was an email in my inbox that said, Pastor Dwight, you said you'd do anything. Will you adopt Ruby Grace? And of course, uh, I told Lynn right away and we prayed about it. Thought, you know, let's just make sure this is an emotional decision, but the right decision. And it was. And so we've been in the process of adopting Ruby Grace since uh, June. Ruby has all kinds of needs. After my wife was in Africa for seven, eight weeks bringing her home, she flew into Phoenix. We immediately took her to the emergency room in Phoenix Children's Hospital. And she has had three brain surgeries, all of which have been very successful. She has 12 cysts in her brain, which normally a child with hydrocephalus may have one, two, or three, but 12 is just way out of the box. So the surgeon actually told us later he didn't know what to do to start. And he's done a fabulous job. And little Ruby is a fighter from the word go. But Ruby requires us to be near a major children's medical facility for all her early growing up years, and then she'll need to live near a major hospital the rest of her life. So uh, we had to make a decision, which was not a decision, really. It was just an act of obedience to God that we already love this girl. And I, I asked the question, what would love do? What would love do? Well, love says, I will do anything. The scripture says, greater love has no one than this. Jesus is telling his disciples this at a most intimate time. Greater love has no one than this, and they lay down their life for their friends. Well, greater love has no one than this, and a parent, a mom or a dad, lays down their life, their career, their place of, that they love, which is Durango, Colorado, and takes care of their little girl in Phoenix. So that's what we're about. And this is not your first adoption. Okay. So tell us a little bit about how you first got involved in the adoption issue and your history up until this point. You know, Lynn and I have been married for 33 years. I have an awesome wife, and she has been a woman who is just so passionate for children all her life. And we struggled with infertility for a number of years, as have many couples. 
we came to the point that we realized that God would have us to adopt, and then my wife became pregnant. We had our first child, Abigail. But then we pursued the adoption process in the future as infertility set in again. And we adopted a young man named Tyler, who's named Tyler now from uh, Korea, and Tyler is in the U.S. military. We just got word last night, and the text was this, wheels up, which means he's heading home from Afghanistan. And that is one of the best texts you can ever get as a parent, to see your child's coming home from the uh, field. But he was our first adoption. We've adopted, there were domestic adoptions. We've adopted two from China, and this makes our third uh, adoption from Uganda. So, we, And in all, we have eight adoptions of our 11 kids. Wow. <laughs> Such an example. As far as loving children and doing what's close to God's heart, you guys are as good an example as I've ever seen. And definitely... I think it's phenomenal. So many Christians take a hard stand on the pro-life issue, for example, and I totally think that's a great stand to take, but it's rare that you see people willing to back that up and say our homes are open to those that society and the world has rejected. Our home is open to the orphan. Yeah, that's an interesting thought, Nate, because the Bible teaches us that the fruit of the womb is his reward. In other words, people think, well, if it's my child, it's a reward. Well, no, it says the fruit of the womb. It doesn't say whose womb. It's the fruit of the womb. So every child is a reward. There is no throwaway children. From conception on, there's no throwaway children. And these children, there's 163 million children worldwide. And I know that uh, ran into one of the coaches here on campus who's a adopted a child, I think, from Ethiopia. And, uh, you know, there's just such a need, 163 million. Well, I kind of look at that number and kind of laugh to myself and say, well, it's not really 163 million. It's 162 million, 999,992, because we've taken eight off of that slot. <laughs> That's so cool. And, you know, if, if everyone would begin to say, okay, okay, I see there's, there's a responsibility for me to do something, that would just make such a difference in these kids' lives. So many of them just need to know that somebody out there cares, and as a result, they have hope. That's absolutely phenomenal. And you guys have been taking responsibility and taking those steps and giving that hope and inspiring a lot of others, too, as well. It's been phenomenal being a part of the church and seeing how many people are gaining a heart for adoption because of your example. So as you talk a little bit about the issue of the orphan around the world, after all that you've been through with Ruby and taking this new step, where has this led you as far as ministry is concerned? Well, I, of course, I had to resign the pastorate at uh, the River Church, and I'm going to miss the people at the River Church because we just fall in love with the people we serve, and we serve out of love, not out of compulsion or anything else, but a passion for these people that God has given us to understand God's love and to walk in God's love and to live that. So as God was moving this away from this, we understand that where God's been forming a calling in our life for years, and that calling is to connect people with the orphans. We go to Uganda, we have connections in China, we have connections in Nicaragua. We'll continue to expand that. We have some in uh, Haiti as well. And we are going to, we've started an organization, we have our 501c3, a nonprofit organization called International Voice of the Orphan. And our website is actually internationalvoiceoftheorphan.com. We're beginning a feeding program. Nate, this is exciting because once we do this feeding program, we're taking over responsibility for the feeding of 50 children in Uganda. We'll partner with the ministry there. As we feed those 50 children, they're all from the slums of the inner city of Kampala, and they call themselves the slum children. Well, these children, of those 50, several of those, in fact, up to 16, are going to slowly be processed out of the slums. They've been abandoned by their families. They're orphans. We have pictures of them just sleeping in the most despicable kind of situations, and we can't wait because 16 of those kids are going to come off the street once we feed 50 children. And it's only a dollar a day, 
to feed each child. So, you know, we know that we know people and people know people, and maybe someone listening here is going to say, hey, I want to support one of those children. For a dollar a day, it's like giving up a mocha maybe once a week, and you can almost cover it just with that throughout the course of a month and feed a child. And so we're hoping that we can connect people with the feeding program. Uh, we want to take care of their physical needs, but also want to take care of their spiritual needs because we see a, a little bit of a gap. There's some places that take their care of feeding or physical needs, which will do some housing work and projects of building houses and schools for orphanages, but also other organizations that just take care of the spiritual needs. We, we think you have to do both. We meet the physical need plus the spiritual need. That's what we're going to be about. So you guys are transitioning out of a very effective and productive and successful ministry. You've been a pastor for over 20 years now, and out of that, you're entering this new phase where you're putting everything on the line. You're walking away from so much. I remember Lynn, your wife, talked about casting away our nets mm. when Jesus called the disciples, and he called them away from a career that they'd known, that they felt comfortable in, and to something new and radical. Interesting, Dwight. She just preached that a couple months ago. A couple I months ago, when. yeah. Interesting how God was leading you guys in that direction, even nope. if you didn't know it then. But that's literally what you're doing now. You're taking a radical step for the least of these. And Jesus promised that whatever you've done for the least of these, you've done for him. So what's it been like taking that step? And, and how do you feel? How do you work through the different issues and feelings that come up as you process this? Well, I think my title of my sermon this Sunday kind of wraps it up. Um, it's my final Sunday in Durango at the River Church. If you're friends and if you'd like to just come introduce yourself to me, I'd love to meet you. But the final message will be, is the cause worth the risk? And that's kind of the thing. Is the cause that God has called you to worth the risk? We're risking everything. I realize, you know, I could get my dream job when this is all over, and that'll be the Walmart greeter. <laughs> um, but I don't know what's, what lays ahead of us. There's a tension of faith of I'm so excited to trust the Lord greater than I've trusted him probably in years because I'll have no salary. We're going to rely on the support of people just sending us support as missionaries to the orphan. That's literally how we categorize ourselves, missionaries to the orphan and pastors to their leaders in their, their countries. But we will, in faith, trust the Lord for all he's going to do and what he, where he wants to lead us. The other side of the tension is the physical side, which goes, I'm half scared to death. I mean, this is a big leap. But, you know, I look at Jesus, and when he called his disciples, Nate, we call it radical discipleship now. Discipleship is radical. Mm -hmm. There's nothing about Jesus that wasn't radical. He went against the flow of the culture. He stood for God when the whole culture was going against God. And, and God is looking for people like that who will stand up and say, you know what, I've weighed the cost. I've weighed what the cause is, and it's worth whatever I risk. And if it means laying everything down, if it means leaving a people in a job you love, if it means leaving an area that's absolutely fantastic, then you do it because it's the right thing to do. And I would ask you to ask the question, what would love do? When you get in those tough situations in life, ask yourself, what would love do? And your decisions aren't so hard after that. You know, it kind of puts away the all the different kinds of tensions. And you just say, what would love do? Because, you know, this Bible also teaches us that God is love. So what would love do? You're really asking, what would God do? Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of the path we follow is Difficult as it might be, there's also unlimited potential. I think the Lord's placed us in Phoenix for a purpose, and we're excited where that leads. For one thing, getting a flight out of Phoenix might be a little bit easier than out of Durango, but, you know, we'll miss the people here, and, and probably the people at the River Church will be happy they don't hear any more basketball stories about the ladies' basketball here at the fort, but I'm going to miss Mark Kellogg and the, the girls of the basketball team, and so girls, keep winning them this year so I can keep following you. Tell us a little bit about a couple orphans 
that you've met. Maybe just put a personal <clears throat> face. Okay. Because I think it's easy to think of this as a a worldwide problem. And whenever things become statistics, it's hard to develop a heart for them. So sure. why don't you share with us a few names and maybe some stories from your trips that would help give us a human face for the orphan. There's a young boy named Emma. Emma is short for Emmanuel, and that's why it's a boy's name there and a girl's name here. Emma lives at one of the partnership ministries we work at an orphanage. He's a young boy who has been abandoned for years. Emma was taken off the streets and slowly processed. You can't just pull him off the streets and put him in a home. You slowly process him to a kind of almost a halfway kind of house for children from the slums, and you, you work with them there, and then you, and again, realize that's not a derogatory term. That's exactly what they call themselves and the area in Kampala. Um, so we halfway kind of house there, then they move out, and then they come out for a trial period. And so Emma's gone through all that. Now he's got the greatest smile in the world. He's the most loving young man. Emma was so excited to show us different things he's done, and I think he's one of the young boys. They get an allowance, but they don't have to take their allowance. They can have their uncle keep their allowance. And he's put away about 50 cents a week for close to a year, and then the orphanage matched his money, and they, he was able to buy a bike. He's gone from a point of grabbing and hoarding to a point of, He's been able to save and understand the financial concept of not spending everything today but saving for a longer period of time. He understands the idea of love. He's the most loving boy. He's a generous boy. And that's what's happened from a boy who had no hope because when Emma is on the street, Emma sleeps at night with fear that he could be kidnapped, The which doctors are still very alive. They still kidnap children in Uganda and take them out for human sacrifices. We lost two or three boys at one point in time who had been kidnapped one night. Two of them got out, and one of them we lost. They sleep next to each other with great fear. When we when we go over there, we play football usually against them, which is our soccer, of course, but their football. So we set up teams, but several of the boys will just come up and watch, and they just lay down in the grass and sleep. And you know why they sleep? I point this out to my team, and I said, you know why those guys are sleeping? They're like, no. It's because they're safe. For the first time, maybe in months or years, they're safe. They can sleep today because you're not safe at night in the slums. And so we don't look at the 163 million. We don't know how many will impact, but we do know that we can change the world of one, and then we'll change the world of another, and we'll make a difference in the world of another. So that's Emma's story. One of my young men who calls me dad now, his name's Junior. Junior is a, a great young man now. He's working over a, an orphanage himself. And Junior was, uh, his dad died of AIDS. Every brother and sister died of AIDS. His mother died of AIDS. For some reason, Junior did not have AIDS, and I believe that some reason is God's provision for Junior. Junior went to live with an aunt and uncle. He was made to eat in the pit latrine separate from the family. He would only be given leftovers. He was put outside at night. Children do not stand a big chance when they're left alone. Our feeling for Lynn and I, myself is this. Every child deserves a family. Every ch child deserves to be loved. And when we can't accomplish that, the places, the orphanages that we work with, we want them to become as much like family as they possibly can. So the child isn't looked at as a statistic. The child is only looked at as a child, a young boy, a young girl who needs to be loved. And so we work with orphanages like that. We meet the people. We meet the leaders. We make sure that the children are being taken care of. And so together, Lynn and I feel like we're the connecting point for people with resources and those who are actually on the field. And so we become this connecting center 
We also believe 100%, Nate, that everybody can do something. Not everybody's going to adopt. We understand that. Not everybody's going to go on mission teams with me, although I've taken close to 100 people, I think, over the last few years. And when people go, they get just so excited. But people can pray. Uh, we have a portion on our blog where people can sign up to adopt a child in prayer. Or people can give, even just a dollar a day or give $5 for a project. You know, just do something different. Bottom line, we hope that people get involved with the orphans. And even more than that, that people say, you know what? I've been called to a higher standard of living than to live life for myself, but I've been called to give my life away for others. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The God Solution on KDUR 91.9 and 93.9 FM here in Durango and KDUR.org online. Thanks so much for listening. We're talking with Pastor Dwight Saunders of the River Church, who is actually leaving his position as pastor of the River Church to go full-time into adoption ministry, becoming a missionary to the orphan. Started this show talking about how you've influenced me, and you always have. You've been such an example and such an encouragement as I've begun in ministry. And on top of that, though, you're leading the way by example, following God's heart of adoption. The Bible tells us that each one of us are adopted as children into God's family when we put our trust in him. So obviously, adoption is a big deal to God. He also says that whatever we do for the least of these, we do for him. And that pure religion is to look after the orphan and the widow in their distress. And so all these different areas in Scripture where we're told God's heart about the orphan, and now you guys are leading by example in meeting those needs. It's just a phenomenal thing to watch. And we've been talking about a few stories about some faces of adoption and some faces of the orphan, just to kind of put a human perspective on it, a human touch on it. And Dwight, you told a story last year about an orphan that came from Uganda that ended up being one step along God's journey and bringing you to where you're at today. Why don't you tell us that story again? Our first mission trip to Uganda, uh, before we left, I said to my wife, Honey, why don't you name that rooster? Because she loves to name our roosters. And we had just gotten a rooster and a few chickens. I said, Name them after one of the Old Testament prophets, because that's who you'd love to name them after. And I said, Why don't you name him Elijah? She goes, Elijah? I can't name Elijah. Elijah will be the name of our next child. I said, how do you know that? Anyway, I left, kissed her goodbye, thought, okay, hon, whatever. And we went to Africa. We're in an orphanage, and as we're in the orphanage, we are playing with a whole number of different children, and then one child just sits in my lap and will not move. And he's peed through his diaper, and I'm getting soaked, but I'm telling you, Nate, it's one of the best feelings in the world where you're loving on kids, and even though you're getting peed all over, and thrown up on sometimes, you're playing with these kids who never get that physical touch. And so I had this opportunity to play with this young boy, and finally I just turned to somebody and go, what's his name? And they said, oh, his name is Elijah. I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> so anyway, long story short, we ended up adopting Elijah. Well, my wife went to process the paperwork in Uganda, and when she processed it, she came home, and she said, you know, we adopted two children at this time, Elizabeth, and everybody was... Sad to see Elizabeth go, but Elijah was just a young little boy, and nobody seemed to care much about Elijah. And that really bothered her. Well, fast forward a couple months, and I'd received this letter in the mail, which I just kind of put over to the side because I didn't recognize the mailing address. And I, so I finally opened it up, and as I read it, it was from a lady in Illinois who had been praying for a young boy named Elijah for several, uh, at least a year. And her daughter had been over at the orphanage, and her They'd found out that this young boy was sick, and so she started praying for him. She posted pictures of him that her daughter had taken all over the place. Her choir was praying for him. 
people at work were praying for him because they thought, wow, is this your grandchild or what? She said, no, I'm just supposed to pray for him that he'll have a family someday. Even to the point, Nate, that she said at one point in time, she said, oh, I pray that he goes to a pastor's family. Well, that was God answering her prayer. We were the answer to her prayer, which had happened before we ever met Elijah. And God was working out the details for this child. And Elijah is my little buddy. He's just one answer to so many prayers. And so that's one of the things we want to connect people with. That's why we're asking people, listen, if you can't adopt, if you can't give, pray. Because prayer makes a difference. God's already working behind the scenes. But he wants us to join in the joy of what he's working with and what he's doing. So she will ever, forever be one of Elijah's aunts um, because she helped bring him to us. And it was just an amazing, amazing process. A minute ago, you started talking about how people can get involved. And obviously, people could adopt and follow your example on that. But there are many other ways that they can get involved, too. Tell us a little bit about the adoption aspect of involvement, because I think the power of suggestion is powerful. A lot of people maybe don't even consider the possibility of adopting because it just seems like a giant in their minds. So what is it like to adopt? How hard is it to adopt? And what have you found? And then beyond that, how else could people get involved? All right. First of all, the adoption, uh, Nate, let me share a story that um, my daughter, Abigail, who is our first child, firstborn, her decision was, I want to adopt a child before I birth a child. Why not? And so uh, she's gone forward and done that, and she's adopted a little boy from Uganda as well. Uh, my grandson, Finley, is just the most amazing little grandbaby in the world, and uh, it's been a great experience for her. So I think one of the things people have to sit down and really think about it as young couples and as you get married, even consider is maybe we're supposed to adopt even before we do birth because maybe you're in a better position at that time than you'll ever be. And the Lord can open up doors. And sometimes people say, well, it's money, it's the money, it's the money. Let me just tell you, Nate, we've never had the money sitting there, but God has always provided. And we hear this testimony from adoption community around the United States. The money isn't there. The money isn't there. They start fundraisers. People will just give random gifts. God's heart is for the orphan. It, the scripture says he is the father to the fatherless. Well, if he's their daddy, he's not a deadbeat dad. He's going to provide for his kids, so he provides for the adoption experience. Is it easy? No. It's not for the faint of heart. There can be struggles. There can be private adoptions which don't happen or even, even adoptions in other countries. For some reason, they fall through. But compared to birthing a child, you know, ladies, hey, it's easier, right? Um, so... Uh, my wife would agree with that. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's just there's struggles either way. There's some situations that are difficult either way. But, you know, James talks about true or pure religion is this, to take care of the widow and the orphan. And this is such an awesome opportunity. And we've seen a few people at the church adopt, and we're excited about that. And others are talking about adoption. We're excited about that. It's one of those things. Go ahead and pray about it. But I think God's already said yes. That's my <laughs> That's my opinion. Good perspective. Okay, so that's the adoption perspective. Okay. And you've talked about <clears throat> prayer. Okay. How else could somebody get involved? Well, of course, there's uh, on our website will be opportunities. And our website, by the way, is just under construction. We put up a kind of temporary website right now. There's going to be a major change in it soon. We're going to give 100% of public donations right to the field. You don't have to worry that are we using 20 or 30% for administrative costs. Every dime is going to go to the field. We're going to rely on missionary support for us. And so we can tell our supporters, hey, you give online. If you give $100 to a project... Everything we receive is going directly to the field. 
And uh, we're just going to trust God that we don't need to take that for administrative costs. We don't need to take that for anything, but we'll get it to the field. Um, there's projects as far as building schools. There's projects as far as building another boy's home, uh, a kitchen. Many times orphanages have the most rudimentary kitchen with just a pot. And so we can literally build them a, oh, a, say, a, a 20 by 10 major kitchen for just coal, usually fired places. But we can build that for maybe $10,000. So we can make major differences in orphanages and in children's lives through gifts. Now, I know I'm talking mostly to a college community. So what could you do? A dollar a day. You might do the dollar a day feeding a program and just feed one child for a year. It'd be awesome. And a college student could do that. A college student. Any of us could do a dollar a day. It's not impossible. So ways that you can help solve the adoption crisis and the orphan crisis in this world. Again, 163 million orphans that desperately need homes. And each one of us can get involved by, one, adopting, two, praying, and three, giving. Right. If you will consider this, what should I do? And what does love compel me to do for kids uh, without a mom and a dad? Somebody asked Mother Teresa one time, or challenged her, said, Mother Teresa, you can't change the whole world. And she said, yes, but I can change the whole world of one person. And that's what we kind of take as part of our slogan, because we want to change the world of one child at a time. And if that amounts to 10, if that amounts to 50, 100, 1,000, so be it. If it amounts to one, we've done it for one. And as Nate's already said, as you've done it unto the least of these, just one, you've done it unto me. All right. Well, Dwight, you've been here for about eight years, and it's really sad to see you leave, you and your beautiful family. So what last words do you have for Durango and for all those that call the River Church home? Uh, For Durango, first of all, I'd say uh, don't lose your life by spending it on yourself. Risk your life by giving it away, and giving it away for the cause of Jesus Christ is the best cause you could ever have. For those at the River Church, I love you. Hmm. I love Durango. And I'll miss you. Dwight, I know your heart for Jesus and for sharing the life that he offers with people. So I don't want to close today without asking you to share the ultimate plan of adoption. (laughs) You know, each one of us came into this world really uh, parentless spiritually. And we're without a father. Uh, We're without that caring and nurturing that we need, spiritually speaking. We have our physical needs. We have our emotional needs. Some met, some not. Some of you experienced uh, abuse and don't even know what that's like. And, oh, I pray for you that your heart is mended from that. But spiritually, there's a Father who loves you, who cares so much about you that he sent a, sent a pathway through Jesus Christ, a way for you to come to be in relationship with him that would meet your deepest spiritual needs, and that's through Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that if we will believe in Jesus Christ and confess our sins, he's faithful and just, will forgive us our sins, and cleanse us. He'll, he'll give us a new life, a new start. When I was 23 years of age, I was running like crazy from God, running as hard as any of you listening to this uh, was running. And God interrupted that. And my station identification of meeting God changed my life forever. And I want to challenge you to give your heart to Christ today. And it will make all the difference for your journey here on earth. So God bless you. Choose to serve Jesus. Choose to receive Christ. And go to a Bible-believing church that will make a difference in your life. And, of course, a church that they could visit this morning and hear you one last time yeah it would be the river church at nine o'clock and ten forty-five, and you'll meet some great people there if you don't have a church uh come by and we'll introduce you some great people who can keep on with you for the future because there's a lot of young people a lot of people coming that are just uh just loving life enjoying life
Wonderful. Well, thanks so much for being on the show today, Pastor Dwight, and I'm going to miss you guys so much. But thank God we live in a social networking internet age where we can stay on track with Facebook and Twitter and all that. Yeah, and hopefully we'll have an IVO Facebook page in the not-too-distant future. It's a lot easier than International Voice of the Orphan, but hopefully it'll be IVO. It, it, for now, it's Pastor Dwight. You can find me on Facebook, and uh, we'll connect you in the future. Absolutely. A few last places that you can get involved. Please visit a place called simplicity.blogspot.com. Again, that's a place called simplicity.blogspot.com. That's Pastor Dwight's wife, Lynn's blog. And it is a very powerful blog and one that is growing tremendously. There are about 4,500 reads a day or something like that. And so it just gives you a little perspective on what a quality job she does in advocating for the orphan on that blog. And then again, visit internationalvoiceoftheorphan.com, internationalvoiceoftheorphan.com. So two sites to remember, a place called simplicity.blogspot.com and internationalvoiceoftheorphan.com. As always, I want to encourage you that an open mind, honest heart, humble disposition, and diligent search always lead to Jesus. And our hope, as always, is that this morning, if you don't know him personally, that you'd come to find him, that you would keep an open mind, that you'd keep an honest heart, that you'd keep a humble disposition, and that you'd search diligently. Because I know, and Dwight would agree, that you will find him. So thank you so much for listening. You can get all of our previous shows at eternityimpact.blogspot.com, and we sure hope you'll listen in next week. Thanks so much. Have a great Sunday. I